0: This may come as a surprise to some of you, but you are not perfect. Not one of you. We won't go into particulars right now, but you know what I'm talking about. Suffice to say that if we pause long enough during the confession and forgiveness for us all to to get everything off our chests, we might be here for a while. Maybe until next week. That would be convenient, wouldn't it? All ready for church again. But you are not the only one. Everyone sitting around you, no matter how saintly they may look on the outside, is also far from perfect. Everyone has issues. You are sitting in this lovely sanctuary around a bunch of imperfect folk. Not to mention the pulpit. I'm so very, very far from perfect. I'm a work in progress that probably seems more like a stalled construction project. Is she still not done? Oh my goodness. The funding must have gone away or something, I don't know. I've been working on it, I really do, for the better part of 40 years with varied results. Some days are better than others. But I think, church, that our best hope Are these imperfect people around us today, coupled with the grace of the Most High God? The people in our Nehemiah text this morning were freaking out about how imperfect they were. They had been attempting and failing at following God for generations, and it had started to get ugly. They were exiled, beaten down, losing faith, and they knew it. When they heard the ways of God read to them again and realized just how far they were from those laws in their own lives and experiences, they wept and they mourned. They were so upset that Ezra comforted them and told them to take heart, to go home, to eat delicious food, to enjoy their lives and remember that the joy of the Lord is their strength. Their strength does not come from getting it perfect. Their strength did not come from getting religion correctly, but in the joy of the Most High God. Meanwhile, Paul, in our epistle text, encourages the the believers at Corinth that, that there is none of them that is more important than another. No one person can be the body of Christ alone. I saw a human brain in formaldehyde this week, and although it may have had some really profound thoughts in there somewhere, it didn't matter, because I couldn't hear him. So there was no mouth, no circulatory system to bring fuel to that brain, no hands to enact the thoughts, no ears to interact with them. We need each other. Without each other, we might as well be brains and formaldehyde on a shelf somewhere. We are useless without each other. We cannot embody Jesus alone. We cannot, no matter how saintly or wonderful we are. And if one part is hurting, the whole body feels it and needs to compensate for it. Needs to make up for it. If you've ever broken a toe or gotten something in your eye, you know this is true. The brain is not more important than the tongue, which is not more important than the hand, and on and on it goes. There is no division and no hierarchy in the body of Christ. None. Full stop. You are not more or less important than any of your siblings in Christ. And there are things you cannot do. Remember how we talked about that you're not perfect? That's where this comes in. And where all the other imperfect people and the grace of God come in. Because through God's love and mercy, God has brought you here to this community of faith to rely on and to help your siblings in Christ around you. We need you. You need us. You are here to lean on each other. To learn from each other. To hold each other up to pray for each other. Teamwork, as they say, makes the dream work. Jesus brought the message together with his reading of scripture in the synagogue. He had started to build a reputation for himself through his healings and his ministry. And then he came back to his hometown where everybody had seen him from the time he was a little one, running up the aisle to go to children's sermon or maybe running down towards the narthex instead. And as he stood up and read the words of the prophet Isaiah about the values of the kingdom, the equality, the freedom, the justice, the mercy, the love, he embodied them. And he told the people gathered in the synagogue that day that they were seeing the prophecy fulfilled in front of their very eyes. Now Jesus was great at riddles, but what on earth? There were no captives running free. I don't think that they got like a call down the Hey, everybody, the prison gates opened wide. That wasn't literally happening at that moment. There was not literal healings happening right there. What What did he mean by that? I believe that Jesus was not saying that these realities were being enacted all over the world as he stood there. Instead, he was saying, I am the kingdom come. I am the path to generations of armies of love that will do my work, that will set the captives free, that will over and over again open their blind eyes and see what's around them, that will stand for the oppressed. In Jesus standing there, the incarnation, God taking on human flesh, the kingdom had come to earth. And it is not a doing, it is a being. Jesus stood there and claimed the world, claimed the future for the kingdom of God, just by showing up. The fact of Jesus and the revolutionary love, the pattern of death and resurrection, the hope that the good news brings, it is the kingdom. And the way it moves us, is in the release of the captives, the sight of the blind, the year of the Lord's favor. Now when things start to go off the rails for us, like when we really start realizing that we're really imperfect, right? We'll do what the people of uh, in the book of Nehemiah did, right? We try to double down on the rules. Tell us the rules again. We're so upset. Just tell us the rules and we'll get it right. We promise. This time we'll jump through the hoop Right. We'll do it. I promise. It's like my kids bargaining when they're going to get a consequence, right? No, Mommy, I promise. I didn't realize that was going to happen. We start trying to jump through those hoops and get the perfect map or the perfect doctrines or all the right answers or a church with all the perfect people, which isn't this one. And in our grief and stress and anxiety, we often forget who we were made to be and who we were redeemed to be. Our Christian faith is not about rules. It is about relationship. It is about relationship with God, relationship with others, relationship with ourselves, relationship with creation, relationship with our enemies, relationship with stranger and alien. Relationship is paramount to the kingdom of God because it is not, the kingdom of God is not a geographical location, but a heart and soul transformation from the inside out. The kingdom of God is not a hierarchy over top of a former hierarchy. It's blasted out hierarchies for all time. The kingdom of God is not tribalism. There is no one group or creed or denomination that lays exclusive hold on it. The kingdom of God is not a destination. It is a journey. The kingdom of God is not stagnant, but requires agility, courage, and openness. The kingdom of God was perfectly embodied in Christ. And now we are the body of Christ for the world. God's kingdom come. I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes I think this is a terrible plan. I mean, look at us. Seriously. And not just us, but all of humanity seems like humanity gets it wrong so often, right? And I don't blame the folk in our Nehemiah text for just having a good old-fashioned cry. Just cry it out. This having the body of Christ in the kingdom of God embodied by humanity is terrifying, and it sounds, quite frankly, like a horrible idea. But then I remember that it's God's idea and I am filled with hope. And that hope gives sight to my blind eyes. And where I once saw imperfect people with a lot of faults, including the person that I look at when I, see in the, when I look in the mirror, I start to see instead so much holiness. I see it in you. I see gifts. I see grace. I see love. I see vulnerability, which is the fiercest form of strength. And I see Jesus. Where the body of Christ is, the kingdom has come. It doesn't mean the world is perfect yet, no way. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. That's laughable. We are between the already and the not yet, between the resurrection and the final culmination of God's kingdom, and the body of Christ is not doing but being. It is not the rules, not laws, but grace and peace for this present moment and every moment that comes after that. It is love sufficient unto the day or unto that minute, depending on how much we need it. It is a sibling in Christ that can stand in our stead when we need to rest. It is holding each other up. And cheering each other on, and weeping with each other, and knowing that by ourselves we can do nothing but through God's grace and the strength and vitality of all these other imperfect folk around us, we are unstoppable in love. You are not perfect, not even close, but you are loved and accepted as you are. Know that to the center of your bones. Know that what you have is enough. And have the courage to lean on the grace of God in whatever form it takes. A divine word, the arms of your family, the strength of your siblings in Christ, the simple beauty of a bird song. The other day on my run, I had these trumpeters fly over me. And I stopped, and I could hear the wings. A beautiful, divine chorus. So amazing. God showing us God's grace in every moment. We are the body together. We will see God's kingdom come. The spirit of the Lord moving freely and joyfully amongst us. Good news to the poor, release to the captives, sight for the blind, freedom for the oppressed, and the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. Let's stand and sing We Are All One in Mission, hymn number 500.